again, friends, and welcome on in to the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield here in the big chair for today, Wednesday, August 3rd, 2021. Today's show, a mailbag show. It's been a while since you guys have really heard from me. Obviously, we kicked things off after the summer hiatus last week, so I figured it was a good time to open up the mailbag. Got a handful of questions here to get to, but some smart questions, and I'm excited to dive into those. Before we do any of that, however, you know the usual drill. Follow along with the hijinks on the Stakem app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. USA Today's Touchdown Wire, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation. More on that in a moment. And, of course, right here at Pat's Pulpit. I did want to take care of a couple of announcements here at the start. First, a big SCO show congratulations to the brilliant, my friend, Benjamin Solak. Finally got his Twitter account unlocked just in time for the big announcement. Ben is going to join the Renner, which is just a phenomenal move all around. Ben is brilliant. He is smart. He is is a rock star. It's been fascinating to see the sort of rise that he's had over the past couple of years. Started out over Locked on Eagles with Michael Kist, then the Draft Network, then BGN, and now the Rainer. It's great to see. Couldn't be happier for Ben. It's a fantastic move. It's a fantastic decision by the Rainer. It's great to see. Also, Chris Vassour, at Coach Vass on Twitter. I want to send him a love, send him a shout-out. Uh, Chris came down with COVID. Uh, he's in treatment right now, um, but it's been a bit of a struggle for him here at the outset. And, you know, Chris, buddy, I know I've reached out to you, but, you know, we're all pulling for you, man. Thoughts and prayers with you. Um, huge fan of what Chris does. I'm actually going to talk about uh, Coach Vass in the second half of the show, but if you can, reach out at Coach Vass on Twitter. Send him some love. Also, speaking of bleeding green, and Bleeding Green Radio. You might remember that once upon a blue moon, your boy hosted the QB Factory with Michael Kist. Well, that show is coming back. I'm so honored, so excited to announce that the QB Factory is coming back. Myself and Rachel Prevet. You can follow her on Twitter at R-A-I-C-H-E-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. Rachel is another rock star. And I'm just happy to be along for the ride. She's brilliant. She's fantastic. She's an incredible host. She knows football inside and out. Her and I, we recorded our first episode of the QB Factory on Tuesday. That's going to be dropping at some point. And for a first show, it was incredible. Um, I think people are really going to love it. I think people are really going to like it. If you're a fan of the Eagles, if you're not a fan of the Eagles, if you're just interested in quarterback stuff, it's going to be a really fun show. And so check that out over at uh, the Bleeding Green Radio, Bleeding Green Nation feed. Um, give that a listen. Let's get into your questions. Like I said, got a handful. First two, we're going to talk about some rookie quarterback stuff. And the first one is a fascinating thing to sort of think about here. Um, from Adam at Mano Cornuda. M-A-N-O-C-O-R-N-U-D-A. Um, give Adam a follow. Rich Rookie quarterback taken in the first round is most likely to start a playoff game this season. Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, or Jones? I'm thinking Trey Lance, and it's a it's a fascinating question. I think the best way to sort of start off is Lawrence and Wilson look like the longest shots, mostly because of where their teams are, right? 
You know, Jacksonville looks to be a year or two away. The Jets, as much as I love what they've started to build, you know, I, I love the Elijah Moore selection. It seems like he's been a rock star so far at training camp. I like going to get Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard. I, I think putting him with Makai Becton is is a fascinating, fascinating thing to think about. Um, so I do like what both of those teams are building. Trevor Lawrence, obviously QB1. I do, though, think those teams are the farthest away. So that narrows it down to Lance Fields-Jones. Now, as a Patriots show, there are hopes here that the New England Patriots will make the playoffs. But I do think, in all likelihood, Cam Newton is going to be the starting quarterback for this team. So if they do make the playoffs, I think it's more likely that it's Cam over Mac Jones. And recording this on Tuesday night, Patriots put the pads on for the first time on Tuesday, and apparently Mac had a bit of a rough day, but it's training camp. Don't overreact to that. Uh, I tend to want to caution people. Don't overreact to training camp stuff, particularly with young quarterbacks. There's a learning curve. There's development. You want to see what you can and can't get away with. Sometimes they had bad days, and so I wouldn't overreact to one bad day for Mac Jones. But I do think that probably it's Cam if the Patriots are getting to the playoffs. And so then that leaves us Lance and Fields. And Lance Reddick came out over the weekend, talked about from the things that he's been told and he's hearing out of Bears camp that Fields is sort of lighting things up. There's a lot of excitement building about Justin Fields in Chicago. But then there's Trey Lance. And I'm kind of with Adam here because, again, recording this on Tuesday, the 3rd, and they started debuting some packages with Trey Lance, with the first team. It's a lot of designed run stuff, but you can see that there's at least a window into Kyle Shanahan's thinking, and that is, we're going to get this kid on the field no matter what. We're going to design some stuff for him, get him some first-team reps, get him running with the ones, even if it's just for some designed packages. And there's, if nothing else, a window to they make the playoffs, he might be the first quarterback on the field for a designed player to technically get on a start. And then you think Chicago versus San Francisco – San Francisco's two years removed from an appearance in an NFC Championship game. You know, Chicago's made the playoffs the past couple of seasons, but they haven't really done much. I'm still leading fields there. I mean, excuse me, I'm leading Lance there. And so, yeah, I'm with you, Adam. I think Trey Lance is the most likely to start a playoff game this year. Next question comes to us from the one and only Bill Carroll. Bill is another... Absolutely brilliant football mind. You can follow him on Twitter at E-L-E-V-E-N-B-R-A-V-O-138. That's 11, Bravo, 138. And Bill's question is this. Among the rookie quarterbacks, who can have that Ryan Fitzmagic type of lawn and complex career arc? And I sort of want to step away from the first round rookies that we just talked about and talk about two guys that sort of could have that high variance spot starter that sticks around for a long time, maybe catches fire one season, moves, doesn't catch fire the next season, moves, sticks around in the league for maybe 10 years. And two guys that I think sort of fit that mold in my mind, Kellen Mond and Davis Davis Mims. Davis Mills, excuse me. The reason being this. With Davis Mills, I think a lot of it is the stuff that he did well and we talked about this all last draft cycle, right? NFL concepts, under center stuff, play action, deep drops, all those sort of things that look like 
what we traditionally associate with an NFL passing game. That right there might be enough to let him sort of stick around, bounce around from team to team. And he's obviously in an interesting situation right now with Houston, all the reports out of Texans training camp. Watson's not even putting on the pads. He's like a scout team safety when he's out there at practice. It seems like they're getting Tyrod Taylor to be the QB1 come week one. Mills might see the field sooner rather than later, which I give him a lot of NFL experience and exposure, sort of allow him to ease his developmental curve. And then there's Kellen Mond. Now, listen, the Vikings are going through a COVID situation. You know, they had Jake Brown in as their quarterback for a fan open practice on Saturday night. Um, Kellen Mond tested positive for COVID-19. All the other quarterbacks had to go into sort of COVID isolation. But I do think that when healthy, Mond is big, is athletic, has a ton of experience in the SEC facing SEC defenses. You watch him against Alabama, and it's like, man, this kid's good. He's making Nick Saban dial up some stuff he hasn't called in a long time. And so I think that experience is going to put him in a situation where, as far as what these rookie quarterbacks have and have not seen, he's probably seen a ton of stuff. And so that's going to also help his development curve. So I think those two guys I'm looking at, as options for that quarterback that six, seven, eight, nine, ten years from now, we're still like, man, that guy's kicking around. Huh? He had a good year a couple of years ago with the Buffalo Bills or whatever. Um, you know, now he's in Miami and you know, maybe he can make a run with them. And so Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, two quarterbacks that I'm fascinated to see maybe have that sort of, as Bill put it, fits magic career arc. We're gonna take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, good stuff like that. I'm next we're gonna talk MMA. We're going to talk quarterback development, Lamar Jackson, and football resources that I relied upon this summer. That is ahead on The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you here on a mailbag installment of The Sco Show. And as I teased before the break, I'm going to talk a little MMA, believe it or not. Not really my wheelhouse, but if I get asked a question, I'm going to answer it. And this question comes in from Evan. He's on Twitter at E-W-R-A-I-D-E-R, E-W Raider. And he asks, would you ever be willing to do an MMA crossover with the Schmo? And of course, he's referring to the Schmo Zone. Uh, it's an MMA podcast with Dave, with Helen. It's one of the best MMA podcasts on the planet. Really smart stuff. They talk about covering MMA, um, interviews, all sorts of really good stuff on MMA. And as you can probably expect, MMA not my wheelhouse. It's just not. But I'm somebody of the mind that I don't turn down interview requests. I don't turn down show requests. Big, small, in between, doesn't matter. I'll come on and talk. My life's an open book. So I would certainly do it if asked. Um, will I get asked? Probably not. Will I be stunned if I am asked? Absolutely. Would I do it? Sure. Would I prep for it? Yeah. Would I still probably make a fool of myself? In all likelihood. But hey, I've always said my life is pretty much an open book. I'm happy to come on any show. Anytime, anywhere, make fun of myself, poke fun of myself, whatever you need me to do, happy to do it. So Evan, would I do it? Absolutely. Next question. This question is sort of about quarterback development. And, you know, longtime listeners to the show, readers of my work know that I spend probably way too much time thinking about quarterback development. So this question was sort of right in my wheelhouse. It's from Henrique, who was on Twitter at B-U-L-I-O-P-F. I know you can get used to the speed of the game with practice reps, learning from pros, etc. But looking at QB battles this year, especially San Francisco where Lance seems to be making the most of his reps, don't you think you could speed up any quarterback's development with him starting? 
And I think short answer, TLDR answer is absolutely. And I think it's important to give that one word answer some context. I used to be, Henrique, a firm believer in the sit and learn method of quarterback development. I used to think that, look, a lot of these guys, you don't want to break them. You don't want to ruin them. Let them sit. Let them learn. Let them soak it in. Let them get those mental reps on the sideline. But the more we see this game, the more I think we're coming to realize, myself included, that there's really no substitute for just playing, for starting, for getting those reps. You know, I think of something that the the brilliant and wise Emery Hunt tweeted a couple of years ago about, you know, if you're going in for surgery, do you want a surgeon that's actually done the surgery or somebody that's just watched somebody else do the surgery? And now it's not exactly apples to oranges, but you get the point. There's no, there's sort of no substitute for actually getting those reps, for making those reads, those throws to decisions. Sure, you can have the headset on, you can hear the play call and say, okay, well, we're calling 585 here. Again, simplified, simplified example. But we're calling 585 with comebacks on the outside, post route from the slot receiver, checkdowns to both sides. If it's cover three or middle of the field closed with a safety in the middle of the field, I'm reading the weak side, the five to the comeback. If it's cover two, cover six, cover four, middle of the field open with two safeties, I'm looking that post to split them to the five to the checkdown to that side of the field. Okay, what am I seeing? It looks like it's cover two pre-snap. Oh, they're spreading it to one. Now I read it weak side. Sure, you can do that, and you can get that mental rep in on the sideline. But there's no substitute for actually being under center, making that read, that throw, that decision while guys are trying to put you in the hospital. And so there's that aspect to it. There's also sort of the competitive advantage aspect, which we've talked about a lot here and elsewhere. There's no substitute in terms of a competitive advantage standpoint, a roster construction standpoint, to having that rookie quarterback, cost-controlled rookie deal, all that stuff, which has led to perhaps maybe some rookies playing earlier than they should and teams doing what they need to do to get them ready, to have them be functional on the field, familiar stuff, RPOs, and things like that. Now, that also has opened up sort of a Pandora's box, perhaps a double-edged sword here of playing these guys early because if you're going to play them early, you want to get them on some comfortable footage, so you might run some RPOs and really sort of help them out, dumb things down for them. That's led us to what I like to call the Admiral James Stravitas paradox of quarterback development. And this is something I wrote a couple of years ago thinking about quarterback development when I was reading a fantastic book by Admiral James Stravitas, you know, who's formerly that supreme allied commander at NATO, also commanded the U.S. Southern Command. He served his five years as the dean of the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at Tufts, where he obtained his Ph.D. And in his book, Sailing True North, Ten Admirals in the Voyage of Character, Admiral Stravitas examined ten historical admirals, their leadership style, and their character. And here's what got me thinking as I was reading this book about quarterbacks. He's writing about Zhang He, who served China during the early Ming Dynasty, you know, in like the 14th century. And here's what Admiral Servius wrote. At every port of call, Zhang He was confronted by new and often dangerous situations, which required him to make a range of quick decisions weigh in his mission, the safety of his ships and crew, and his perception of the scene on the ground. During his third voyage, he called in Sri Lanka in the midst of a three-way civil war between a Sinhalese Buddhist kingdom in the south, a Tamal Muslim kingdom in the north, and a rebel Sinhalese warrior who fought both. His instructions 
were to establish relations with the people on the island, but those instructions were silent on this unforeseen and challenging situation, which must have taken the Admiral himself some time to decipher. He was forced to adapt to the events on the ground without recourse to instructions from higher authority. He was able to establish trading relations with all three groups and kept Chinese neutrality an opportunity for further trade alive. Now, here's where we're going with this. Even with the ubiquity and speed of modern communications, today's leaders still frequently find themselves called to make similar decisions on the scene, in the spur of the moment, and on limited situational understanding. In many cases, developing the ability to operate autonomously while remaining within the intent of one's mission is an important part of a leader's developmental process, one that today's leaders may have to develop on their own. If a young leader comes to over-rely on constant and near access to higher authority, he or she can miss out on this critical maturation step. Now, they're talking about admirals there, but let's talk quarterbacks. Because think of Jared Goff, right? Sean McVay in the helmet radio, telling him what to do, get into the line of scrimmage so we can keep talking to him before the snap. Goff has that near instant and constant access to higher authority. Maybe it made him effective or at least somewhat productive, but it did it stunt his development as a quarterback? And that's what I sort of call the James Stravitas double-edged sword of quarterback development. If you're trying to rush these guys on the field and then doing all these things to sort of help them with RPOs and get into the line of scrimmage quickly and all that stuff that's, you know, you might call hand-holding that you need to do to get them on the field and to be at least efficient and productive, is that then stunting their development because they have that near instant access to a higher authority. So I do think, yes, absolutely play these guys, but be careful that you don't stunt their growth. Next question comes to us from Parzingars at G-A-R-S-P-A-R-S-N. This is about Lamar Jackson. If Lamar doesn't progress as a passer and Baltimore doesn't get past the second round of the playoffs, how hesitant would you be to extend him this season? Thanks, Mark. Be well. You too, my friend. I still wouldn't be hesitant. And and the reason for that is this. As I've said before, I often put myself in the mindset of an opposing defensive coordinator and trying to come up with a defense to defend Lamar Jackson still gives me fits, still scares me. There are so many things they can do conceptually, run game and pass game, that give you fits. You have to worry about spying them. You have to worry about designed runs. You have to worry about the pocket breaking down. So how do you rush them? Do you mush rush? Do you drop eight and just let them run around back there? There are so many different things that you have to worry about. So even if they continue to sort of struggle, don't get past the second round, I'm still going to extend him because I still think that what he offers you conceptually, philosophically, talent-wise is so dangerous in today's NFL. So I'm still going to extend him. I understand why there might be some hesitation from other people. I'm not going to hesitate. I, I'm still giving him the deal. Final question comes to us from our boy, Bill Rossetti. You can follow him on Twitter. He is on Twitter at B-I-L-R-I-B-I-L-L-Y underscore R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. And he asks, what were some of your favorite football resources over the offseason and summer? And I start with Coach Vass's Patreon, um, the Make Defense Great Again podcast, um, the Run Vass Option podcast. Subscribe to his Patreon, and you can get access to clips that he cuts up 
um, on huddle of, you know, defenses from years past, but it's great learning because he'll tag them. You know, if you want to see what one coverage looks like when it's run or another coverage looks like, or even some training tape, some, you know, clinic examples of how different coaches teach different coverages and concepts and techniques. It's, it's worth every penny. So many people have asked me privately, like, you know, what do I do to, to learn the game like you? And first of all, don't learn it like me, learn it better than me. Um, but Vass's Patreon, his huddle, his, his podcast, top-notch. J.T. O'Sullivan, um, who obviously played the game, knows the game inside and out. His YouTube channel is much must-watch stuff. I'd love to sit down with J.T. at some point, so talk about the game, maybe get him on a show. But he does videos on route concepts, on pass protections. Every time he puts something up there, I stop, I watch, I listen, I take notes, and I learn. And J.T. O'Sullivan's, his stuff is just fantastic. It is tremendous. Whether you know the game or you're learning the game, it's must-watch stuff. So J.T. O'Sullivan is sort of a huge, huge resource for me. Finally, I'm looking at it right now. It's a book titled R in Action, Data Analysis and Graphics with R from Robert Kabakov. That's right. Your boy is learning some Python, some R. This book is sort of like an entry-level like dive into R. There's also a couple of other books that I've got that I've sort of put on the shelf for now, but I'm going to come back to them. First up is R for Data Science, Import, Tidy, and Clean Up Data. Um, this was also something that I got on Amazon. Um, it's by Hadley Wickman and Garrett Grolamond. Um, this is going to be a bit more of an advanced dive into R. Um, and then there's also another one, Python for Data Analysis. Um, this was also something that I got off of Amazon uh, by Wes McKinney, who basically kind of wrote Python. Um, I'm trying to get deeper into understanding that and how to use R in Python for data analysis. Um, working my way through these. I'm going to spend some more time with them over the next couple of weeks because I'm a firm believer in sort of tying together the film and the data. I think in my experience going through the SIS data challenge, I sort of opened my eyes because it allowed me to test some of my own thoughts about, you know, the game of football and the future of offense and put them to the test with data. And speaking of which, if you're listening to this before, say, 8 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday the 4th, my group, uh, Dr. Bud Davis, Keegan Abdow, uh, Joe Ferriola, we made it to the finals, and there will be a YouTube link. You can watch the streamed final presentations. Um, we get into a lot of parent film and data. I'm going to talk a lot about explosive versus on-schedule concepts, something we came up with, two different buckets for route concepts, and how the data sort of backs up what you could see on film with teams and their play calling. And so it was fascinating to be a part of that. Those three guys were just brilliant um, it was, it's an honor to make the finals excited for that. So you can check that out as well. That's some of the stuff I've been relying on this summer. As always though, if you want more questions on resources and things like that, please don't hesitate to reach out. So that will do it here for episode 197 of this go show. Um, I will be back next Wednesday. We'll have a guest. We will preview the first, uh, preseason game for the new England Patriots. Cause we've got to start. You know, getting ready for stuff. Uh, so we're going to do that. That's something to look forward to. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sin along. And bless those Patriots' reigns down in Boston.